Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on the Seed Variety Use Agreement pilot program announced this week. And uh, first, we'll hear from provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Provincial entomologist John Gavlosky was one of the speakers earlier this month at Steinbach Crop Day. He talked about some of the insect concerns from the past growing season. So the three biggest issues were flea beetles and canola, cutworms and grasshoppers. And then we had three, I'll call them more minor issues, armyworms, diamondback moth, and something called thistle caterpillar. What do you expect any of those to be a concern this year? So the big three that I mentioned all over winter here, and uh, for the most part, overwintering success should be pretty good. So going into next year, definitely be looking out for flea beetles, cutworms, and grasshoppers. The other three I mentioned do not overwinter here. Um, diamondback moth blows it on the wind, as does armyworms, and thistle caterpillar. They actually migrate in purposely in some years. So they're a hit and miss thing. All three of those are more hit and miss whether we see them next year or not. What are the sort of the time periods where farmers should be scouting for these different types of insects? So for cutworms, as soon as your crop is up, we have different species of cutworms. And there's one species that we had a lot of last year called dingy cutworm. It overwinters as a partially grown larva, so it's already up and active and feeding when the crop's emerging. The other species we had a lot of is redback cutworm. It overwinters as an egg, and it's more of a concern later on. So, but for cutworms, May and June is critical for scouting, and as soon as your crop is up. Flea beetles, same thing. As soon as your seedlings are out of the ground, you need to be uh, scouting for flea beetles, even if you have a seed treatment with an insecticide on, which most people will. Um, it's good to be scouting just to keep an eye on the level of flea beetle damage. Grasshoppers, we suggest start your scouting in late May, early June. Uh, scout field edges and ditches, areas outside the field that had lush green vegetation late last year. And you're looking for tiny nymphs that time of year. And um, with, for grasshoppers, you mentioned scouting the outside of the fields. For, for some of these other insects, are there areas of the field that uh, producers should be scouting or is it just sort of the entire field? It is good to scout your entire field if you can, but uh, in the case of cutworms, they can be very patchy. And sometimes one of the challenges is figuring out, is the whole field heavily infested or is it just a patch? If, say, you've got 10 or 20 acres heavily infested, uh, there's no use spraying a couple hundred if only 10 really need it. So uh, you do need to scout thoroughly for cutworms, but do see if things are patchy. Uh, flea beetles, there can be edge effects, but it depends on the weather. Uh, when they start moving out of their overwintering sites, if it's cool, they won't fly as far. If the weather warms up uh, very suddenly, gets quite hot, they'll be flying further and you're less likely to get edge effects. And grasshoppers, uh, again, they lay their eggs in August and September in areas with lush green vegetation. So. Often they're moving out of a lot of fields and laying eggs around field edges, ditches, areas like that. So there can be very heavy edge effects early in the season. That was provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. As the first anniversary of China's decision to block imports of Canadian canola approaches, the Canola Council of Canada is calling on the federal government to resolve the dispute and to support industry diversification efforts. 
Canola seed exports to China were down approximately 70% in 2019 due to trade disruptions, resulting in an estimated $1 billion in lost revenue from canola. The council is urging government to establish a stronger presence and more regular contact with regulators and policymakers, especially in key Asian markets. This week at the Prairie Grain Development Committee meetings in Winnipeg, the Canadian Plant Technology Agency announced it would be launching a pilot program to test how the seed variety use agreement will work in the real world. Lauren Hadley is the executive director of the Canadian Plant Technology Agency. We've considered a number of models. Uh, a couple years ago, the Grains Roundtable uh, Committee settled on two models. One was uh, this model, which is sometimes referred to as a trailing royalty model. The other was an endpoint royalty. The facts are that Canada hasn't used anything close to what we're talking about in terms of a contract model with modern communication techniques. So the pilot is to be part of piloting a prototype that uses this technology, and then we'll have the information to compare it as to how effective it is in comparison to the other model, which was an endpoint royalty. It was also announced that to provide transparency, the Canadian Sea Trade Association has formed a working group with producer and industry representation. CPTA's pilot program will introduce a seed variety use agreement system for a limited number of seed varieties sold for planting beginning this spring. And the Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council has updated its labour market forecast. The report reveals that in 2018 alone, the grain and oilseed sector lost a staggering $594 million in sales due to labor shortages. Deborah Hauer is the group's manager of labor market information. There were uh, shortages of 2,000 people across the country, so it's not a large number. However, because the industry is so highly mechanized nowadays, each missing body, each missing person greatly affects each business when uh, they cannot find enough people to work. Kark says over the next decade, Canada's grain and oilseed industry is expected to see one in four jobs go unfilled due to a lack of available workers. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Now let's send things over to our local newsroom. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, February 27th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll have details on the Seed Variety Use Agreement pilot program that was announced this week. The Canadian Plant Technology Agency announced this week that it would be launching a pilot program to test how the Seed Variety Use Agreement will work in the real world. Lauren Hadley is the group's executive director. So this week at the Prairie Grain Development Committee meetings, uh, Canadian Plant Technology Agency and the Canadian Seed Trade Association announced a pilot program to put into a practice a prototype and build a prototype to collect what's known as a seed variety use agreement. What this is is a contractual arrangement between a commercial producer through the retailer and to the distributor reader to collect for farm safe seed use. And it was also announced that um, a working group uh, has been formed. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You bet our collaborators at the Canadian Sea Trade Association are putting together a working group. This working group will consist of members of the seed industry, the grain producers, uh, and other stakeholders. And the job of the working group will be to look at how we roll through this two-year pilot and how we analyze it to see what's working, what's not, what needs to be improved and get it so that the platform that we're using for SVUA works for the commercial producer, works for the breeder distributor, and the seed retailer. 
talk a little bit more about the timeline, how this will be rolled out. The timeline is is the SVUA will be applied to a limited group of varieties uh, from a couple of distributors this spring at the sale of certified seed. The producer then grows that crop in uh, the crop of 20. If it works for him on his farm, uh, he is agreed in contract to pay for any additional uses he makes of that crop as seed in subsequent years. So the platform will contact him in uh, summer 21, ask for his declared use, and then an invoice will be issued for the farmer to pay. That money will come back and be directed to the appropriate breeder distributor. Talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the the journey up until this point. Value creation, which is this is a part of, and this is a, a test a test method for has been going on in Canada for 12 years. So it's been done a number of ways. We've done a number of studies. We've had a number of consultations. We've considered a number of models. Uh, a couple years ago, a, a Grains Roundtable uh, committee settled on two models. One was uh, this model, which is sometimes referred to as a trailing royalty model. The other was an endpoint royalty. The facts are that Canada hasn't used anything close to what we're talking about in terms of a contract model with modern communication techniques. So the pilot is to be part of piloting a prototype that uses this technology, and then we'll have the information to compare it as to how effective it is in comparison to the other model, which was an endpoint royalty. Anything else to add on your end there? No. Nope. Uh, happy to receive questions. Uh, we have a, a website called seedvaluecreation.ca, which has more questions, comments, and happy to receive questions from commercial producers and others about how this works and how it will benefit by bringing more investment into plant breeding in Canada. That was Lauren Hadley, Executive Director with the Canadian Plant Technology Agency. And continuing on that topic, Prairie Wheat and Barley Commissions are raising concern over this week's announcement of a seed variety use agreement pilot project. Landa Lee Allen Vossler caught up to Brett Halstead, chair of Sask Wheat, to talk about the issue. Brett, let's start with the basics. The Seed Variety Use Agreement pilot project just announced this week. What is it all about? Well, there's a couple of wheat varieties and one soybean variety that are going to be included in a pilot trailing royalty project. And there's also some rumors that in the future they may include some public varieties. And we feel this is just getting a little ahead of, of the process because there's currently an ongoing government consultation process through Agriculture Agri-Food Canada and the CFIA with the industry as to what might be some of the best steps forward. And we're also, as part of that process, we're waiting on an economic analysis on this, and that has yet to be released. So we just feel this is getting a little too far ahead of the process and just in general disappointed with it. So how would this trailing royalty pilot project actually work? If you'd um, purchased new seed and you decided to keep that seed in subsequent years, after the initial year, then you would pay a royalty on each bushel or acre of seed that you would use. And uh, our biggest disappointment, again, is that if these become public varieties that are included in this process before a consultation is completed, that would be extremely disappointing as producers have paid into those public varieties. And, uh, you know, the spirit and the intent of that is that 
farmers should be able to use that seed. Farm Save Seed is a key part of producers' business. Yes, it is, and it's a check and balance in the system. If there's good new varieties that are coming out constantly that um, you know can replace varieties, farmers will step up and buy new varieties. If they're not, then it, it's kind of saying that maybe we aren't doing all the research as good as we should on, on, on breeding varieties. Another concern here is the fact that the consultations aren't even finished yet. Yeah, again, we trying to get an industry consensus on the consultation process is what might be a good step forward. And there hasn't been consensus yet, and the process hasn't even completed. Are you surprised with the announcement, given the fact, as we talked about, that the federal government consultations are still due to continue this year? No, again, we weren't surprised. We're just disappointed because of those reasons that the process is still ongoing. At this point, is there anything that uh, you can do or what is the next step? Well, I don't think it's the legality of the issue. Through contract law, um, private seed companies can do this. There is a little bit of a question as whether in the future it can be done on public varieties or not. Definitely the intent of public varieties was that they should not be included, but we don't know about the legality of that, and we will look into that if public varieties become part of a process. Once again, a seed variety use agreement pilot project was announced this week at the Prairie Grain Development Committee meetings in Winnipeg. I've been talking with Sask Wheat Chair Brett Halstead. For Golden West, I'm Glenda Lee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glenda Lee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to the farm desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The FCC Young Farmer Summit takes place March 4th at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. Keystone Egg Producers is hosting its Canadian Young Farmers Forum on March 5th, also at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. You can register by going to cap.ca slash youngfarmersconference. And the Prairie Organics Thinkhole Farm 2020 Conference takes place March 5th and 6th at Brandon's Keystone Centre. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal coming up in the next half hour. We'll tell you about a special Manitoba 150 project taking place at the Manitoba Egg Museum near Austin. We'll also have another look at our farm news for today. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, the Manitoba Agricultural Museum near Austin wants to hear your farming stories. It's all part of an upcoming project for the celebration of Manitoba's 150th birthday. Executive Director Anise Bjarna chatted with Golden West reporter Josh Jackson. We were very lucky this year to receive some funding from uh, the um, Celebrate 150 uh, grant program uh, by Manitoba 150. Um, and uh, that is for a project of both collecting and exhibiting uh, some farmer stories. So the idea is really to give the voice to farmers uh, of today and of the past so people can share um, a portrait as well as a story um, from themselves, a friend that is farming, or even um, their family members uh, in the past as well, if they, if they would like to do that. 
Um, so the idea is really to give the voice to the farmers to tell their story and uh, for us to grow our collection with those stories and photos and also to exhibit them uh, this summer. We have a participation form in the office, um, so they can give us a call or send us an email and we can definitely share that and it will be added on our website as well. It's important uh, for Manitoba's identity, for sure. Uh, farming has been uh, at the roots of the growth of the province um, as a province, I guess, uh, since it, be it became part of confederations. That's how um, its economy grew, um, but also why people settled here for most of them. So. Um, definitely essential to that. Um, and also, um, we thought it was uh, interesting to tie the past uh, and the present of agriculture, which is why we, we asked for participation from um, past farmers, I guess, and uh, today's farmers um, to kind of have that conversation between the two and also highlight the work that farmers do uh, today as well. So it's going to be a very visual exhibit. Um, as I said, we really want to uh, give all the space to the voices uh, and the portraits uh, of farmers. So um, we as a museum are kind of going to take a step back and just group the participation by themes, but that's more or less the extent of what we are going to do. Uh, the idea is really to focus on what farmers have to say. That was Anise Bjarna. She's the executive director with the Manitoba Agricultural Museum in conversation with Golden West reporter Josh Jackson. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Canadian cattle, hog and sheep inventories were all down on January 1st compared with the same date last year. Canadian farmers had 11.2 million cattle on their farms. That's down 1.9%. Inventories were 24.8% below the peak they reached back in January of 2005. Hog producers reported 13.9 million hogs on January 1st. That's down 0.6% from last year. Inventories of sheep and lambs were down 4%. The Canadian Agricultural Resource Council says over the next decade, Canada's grain and oilseed industry is expected to see one in four jobs go unfilled due to a lack of available workers. Deborah Hauer is the group's manager of labor market information. We found that 39% uh, of the current grain and oilseed industry, uh, the workforce, is set to retire in the next 10 years. As of 2018, uh, people are unable to find enough workers to work on their farms. In that year, they reported losses of $594 million. By 2029, the grain and oil seeds industry will need 42,500 workers, and the labour gap is predicted to reach 10,600. And the Canadian Plant Technology Agency announced this week that it would be launching a pilot program to test how the seed variety use agreement will work in the real world. Lauren Hadley is the group's executive director. The timeline is, is the SVUA will be applied to a limited group of varieties from a couple of distributors. This spring, at the sale of certified seed, the producer then grows that crop in the crop of 20. If it works for him on his farm, he is agreed in contract to pay for any additional uses he makes of that crop as seed in subsequent years. So the platform will contact him in uh, summer 21, ask for his declared use, and then an invoice will be issued for the farmer to pay. It was also announced that to provide transparency, the Canadian Seed Trade Association has formed a working group with producer and industry representation. 
I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.